Wish I had somebody in church today who has no doubt God created you to be a worshiper. Can I just hear the worshipers? Would you open your Bibles to the Acts of the Apostles, continuing in a series, chapter 5, I know I've been changed. If there's anybody who knows you've been changed, just say me. me. Acts chapter 5, beginning with 17 through 21, and then verse 41 and 42. Then the high priest and all his associates, who were members of the party of the Sadducees, were filled with jealousy. They arrested the apostles and put them in the public jail. But during the night, an angel of the Lord opened the doors of the jail and brought them out. Go. Stand in the temple courts, he said, and tell the people all about this new life. At daybreak, they entered the temple courts as they had been told and began to teach the people. Verse 41 and 42. The apostles left the Sanhedrin rejoicing because they had been counted worthy of suffering disgrace for the name. Day after day in the temple courts and from house to house, they never stopped teaching and proclaiming the good news that Jesus is the Messiah. As you take your seat, just touch somebody and tell them, I got so much more to say. Hmm. Somebody's shaking their head right now. I got. In fact, look at somebody else and just tell them, don't get me started this morning. Some of y'all know you get started too much, you'll jump about that chair. You'll run around this church, you'll holler and scream, just don't get me started. I want to preach about that from this text this morning. There is a memory that stays fresh in my mind. It is the memory of the first Sunday in February, 1973, at 5 p.m. in the afternoon at the New Shiloh Baptist Church where the Reverend Dr. Harold Alfonso Carter Sr. served as pastor. I stood behind the pulpit desk of that church that Sunday afternoon, having sent in to the pastor sometime earlier the year before my letter declaring that I could not run from any longer the sense that God was calling me into the gospel ministry. In those days, the Board of Deacons met to review my letter 
to make sure I was right to stand before the people. And it was decided and I was assigned the first Sunday in February at 5 p.m. during the Baptist evening fellowship, I would preach my initial sermon. I had no deacon board at that time led by someone of the likes of a Major Watkins sitting in front of me waiting to give affirmation to my sermon. Preach, preacher. Amen to the word. Yes, Lord. No, I did not have that in that gathering. The musicians were not seated on a Hammond organ or piano waiting for me to hit that last turn in the sermon when they would step to the seat of the organ and make sure they hit a D-flat just right. And the congregation would say, he's bringing it home now. No, no musician was put in place. In fact, the choir I sang with called the church and asked if they could render the music at the five o'clock service. And Dr. Carter, in his own inimical style, said to them, it's not necessary. No. And that day, I preached with no deacons, no choir, no organist backing me up. I was on my own. My nerves were at fever pitch. I had marched up the steps, the back steps, to the pulpit with the pastor. And a voice rang with a clarion call in my mind, go home while you can. And another voice stepped up behind it and said, if you move, I'll break your legs. And I marched to the pulpit that Sunday afternoon. Service started at five, about 10 minutes after I was up to preach. Standing there declaring from Ecclesiastes, the third to 12th chapter and the first verse, remember now thy creator in the days of thy youth while the evil days draw nigh. And when I had finished, when I was done, when my 11 minutes were up, when I stood there that Sunday afternoon for 11 minutes, look at somebody and say, what happened? For 11 minutes, for 11 would seem like an eternity minutes. I stood there preaching the little word I had, and three points, an introduction, a conclusion, and a poem. And when I fell in the seat, having finished my 11-minute sermon, one enormous reflection captured the landscape of my thinking. I thought to myself as I sat there, what will I say the next time I have to preach? Because I have said in these 11 minutes everything I know about God. God, I wish I had a witness. But yet, Tricia, some 46 years later, I still stand week after week and for far longer than 11 minutes.
with a fresh word with the, from the Lord because I learned over these years one clarion and cardinal truth, and that is there is so much more to say about God. God, I'll shout and dance out the church by myself. Look at somebody and tell them, I know that's right. That becomes part of the backdrop for the text because the disciples are facing a brand new world. Their reality has shifted and they are quickly becoming accustomed to the new reality in which they find themselves. They are no longer fishermen. They are fishers of men. They are no longer on the seashore. They are on the gospel shore. They are no longer doing their thing. They are doing God's thing. Can you look at somebody and say, it sounds like me. Their lives have radically changed. God, I need to talk to some folk who can admit your life has radically changed. You may not have the hair you had. You may not have the eyes you had. You got contacts. You may not be what you used to be. You may have been a size five. We're not going to say what you are now. You might have wore a medium, but you're not wearing a smedium. But God has brought you a long way, and you are not who you used to be. God, I need somebody who can admit your reality has changed. You are not living in the same kind of world you used to live in. Somebody better feel this. Something has changed, and now these disciples, after 50 days of going underground, 40 of those days spent with a visiting Jesus who came to strengthen and empower them. Now they have come out with guns blazing. They are no longer the man in the shadow. They are coming out with guns blazing and nobody can stop them from talking about the man who rose from the dead. The man who got up saying, I got all power. When they came forward, when they came forward determined, the powers that be rose up against them. You heard me say it week after week. Opposition will rise against you when you are determined to be in the will of God. If you get nothing else from this part of the sermon, get this. Opposition will come against you when you are determined to live in the will of God. It doesn't mean you will just get sick or your money will fall apart. It means whatever door Satan can come through to disrupt the consistency of your thinking, and the ability that God has given you, he will wage war on you in that area. Slap five with the person beside you and say, you know he's looking for you. You know he's after you. There's always some avenue of life he is trying to get in on. Preach Walter Thomas. Nobody's got to say amen now. The, the Jewish leaders had decided we must stop them. We cannot allow them to keep 
going. We are threatened by their movement, and therefore we must silence them. These were the folk who were the architects of the crucifixion, and they were determined to stamp out the last vestiges of Jesus' followers. But these followers, these followers, this bunch of unlettered and untrained men stood with unbroken resolve and with determination to continue the work their master had begun. Luke records they were thrown in prison. They were talked about. They were lied on. Everything happened to them. But they were determined not to let anything stop them. In fact, by the time of our text, they have been thrown in jail again. Not one of them, but all of them. First time they threw Peter and John. Next time they throw Simon Peter. This time they throw all of them in jail. They put them in jail and say, we're going to put them in the public jail. We're going to bring them up for trial and that's going to be the end of them. We will put them to death. They will be finished. But I've got news for you, my brothers and sisters. The world can determine certain things about your reality and your existence, but they do not have the last word. The actions that were taken against them. God, I feel like saying this. The actions against the apostles were intended to stop them, but they could not stop them. Why? And somebody needs to get this. Look at the person beside say, this is just for you. Because God does not intend to allow a setback to silence you. God does not intend a bump in the road to stop your journey. Oh, if I'm preaching to you, look at somebody and say, I need to hear that. So don't you sit up here and act like you haven't had a bump in the road. Don't you sit up here and act like things ain't sometimes gone haywire in your life. But I have been dispatched from God to tell you that there will be bumps in the road, but God does not intend to let a bump in the road stop you. The Bible, in fact, says that an angel that night came into the jail and let them out, and the next morning they were in the temple telling people about the new life. Y'all miss that. An angel of the Lord came that night and let them out of the prison and the told them, go stand in the temple court and tell people all about this new life. Nudge somebody say, we're going deep now. Go stand in the temple gates, in the temple courts, and tell the people about this new life. Because this prison you are in, this setback you are experiencing, this problem you have is not going to stop what God is going to do through you. It may be on your mind. It may be in your thoughts, but God has already purposed a plan that is going to take you beyond the problem you are facing. You have to see God at work and stop dealing with what's working against you. 
Look at somebody and say, see God at work. See God at work. This prison is not intended to hold you. The people may think they've got you, but if God be for you, he is more than the world against you. An angel of the Lord came and let them out. Somebody ought to be shouting over the fact that God sends angels in your life to keep you on track with the purposes of God for your life. God sends angels so your wheels don't go off the track, God. Do I have anybody in here who can shout that angels have kept you, that angels have pulled you, that angels have built a hedge of protection around you, that angels have been there just when you needed them the most? Oh, I feel like preaching this thing. But, 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 but this is the part that you have to get. The Bible says the soldiers were all there and the angels let them out. Now, you've really got to understand this for the purposes of the text. Because most of y'all think you live your life with limited support. But you have help coming to you from places that you least expect. See, Darius, people think when they read this text that angels are only ethereal creatures from the great beyond, that they are only these figures with long white wings that furl out, and that they are only these paintings that are, or the depiction of them is seen in paintings from medieval art with everyone with a bleached face and blonde hair. Oh, my brothers and sisters, how wrong you are about angels. Angels are messengers of God. They are person. They are forces and emissaries of the divine sent to help you get your life in the proper position that you can accomplish the will of God for your life. They are not always from across the blue ether. Sometimes angels are the person seated right beside you. Sometimes angels are members of your household. Sometimes angels are folk who fought you last week. But God has raised them up to be a blessing for you right now. Grab somebody and tell them I know about angels. I know about somebody walking by my desk when I just needed to hear something. Somebody calling me when I was at a low point, getting a text and somebody say, you can make it. I know about angels coming to my rescue. God will send angels and the angels will talk in your kind of language that tells you stay on track with what you are doing. Go back to the temple and tell them about this life. Look at somebody and say, I'm grateful for my angels. I never know when they're going to show up. I don't know where they're coming from. I don't even know what they're bringing, but when God sends me an angel, I'm going to shout hallelujah. 
I'm going to shout thank you, God. Wait a minute, y'all sit down. You scare me when you stand too long. And the text says, the angel said to them, Stephanie, go back to the temple and talk what you talked. Do what you did. And so the next day, they went back to the temple and they start preaching all over again. And when the leaders of religion heard what had happened, that the, the jail is empty, they went to get them out of jail and they weren't there. So, well, where are they? They're back where they were. Y'all didn't get that. Where are they? They are back in the temple. Now, get this. Get this. This is verse 30, 24. On hearing this report, the chaplain of the temple guard and the chief priests were at a loss, wondering what this might mean. Now, see, this is 930. All the deep people are in church now. And Joshua just told me I could go three minutes longer. The, the captain of the police and the chief priest, the captain of the guard and the chief priest are wondering, what does this mean? And I told you an angel opened the gate and told him to go out and go back and do what they did. And when you read that, you thought of this long creature with white wings, like the one that opened the door for Peter and led him out into the street. And you thought of this thing with long wings and blonde hair and a white face. No. What scared them was the angels. Because probably who let them out was one of their own. They wondering what this means if our own God are starting to believe. What does this mean if the people we thought were with us are now leaving us? And worst of all, we didn't know he got them. Do you know there's some people who don't know yet that you ain't on the devil's side no more? Any of y'all ever get phone calls? People think you are who you used to be. Uh-oh, I won't go there. I'm not going there. But look at somebody and tell them, I have been changed. I have been changed. They go back into the place and they are preaching the word. And so much so that when they leave the temple, they are out doing ministry. People are being saved. In fact, they bring out the lame and the sick. And the shadow of Simon Peter walking by starts healing people. The leaders of religion get so upset and so nervous, they arrest them again and bring them back in. And this time they say, we got to kill them. This thing is growing too strong. It's getting too powerful. We got to kill them and get rid of them once and for all. But nudge somebody and say, God will always protect you. A, a priest, or rather a Pharisee by the name of Gamaliel stands up and says, we all 
I think you better take your hands off of this. If this ain't of God, it'll fall apart. But if it is of God, you better not mess with it. Help me somebody. If it is of God, you better leave this alone. I tell you again, you never know where God is going to raise up the support so that you can accomplish the task that he has sent you to do. But trust in your soul. I need somebody to claim this like you ain't never claimed nothing else. God will send me what I need when I need it to be able to accomplish what he told me to get done. When I need it, it will show up. Though my enemies and my foes rise up against me, how oh, do I have a witness of this will I be confident. I need somebody right now to shout, I believe that. He'll surround me. He'll raise up for me. He'll give me. He'll supply me. He'll make a way for me. He'll bring to me whatever I need so that I can accomplish what he's wanting me to do. That's why you have angels being assigned to your life so that you can accomplish the will of God in your life. They are right back in the temple. They preached. I, I don't know if that would happen in 2019. You know people out for you to do you in. Somebody going to tell you, you need to lay low. You don't need to be all out in front of folk. You don't need to. Listen, you know they don't like you. You, you. you biting off more than you can chew. I know you think you can fight. But you better wake up and smell the coffee. You can't fight all of that. Sometimes you got to cut. How many of you heard those voices whispering in your ears at different times? Sometimes you just got to go with the flow. You got to go along to get along. There are some phrases that ought to be buried in the bottomless pit, never allowed to rise again, because that's not a Christian thought. You don't go along to get along. They are out there preaching, and, and Darius, I started wondering what in the world made them just keep getting up. I mean, I would have thought when they got out of jail, they said, listen, let's spend the night resting, because they got beat when they got put out of jail. They were beaten every time they were let loose, flogged, 39 stripes, beat their backs raw. It was like watching Django Unchained. They just kept beating them. But what did they do the next day? Right back. Where they came from. You ain't breaking me. You ain't quieting me. You ain't making me quit. They said like Jeremiah, because even if I said, I wasn't going to say nothing. Even if I tried to shut my mouth. I'm talking to somebody in here now. 
even if I said I'm not going to talk about God anymore, I'm not going to praise God. Can I see the hands of folk who know you have had your share of life's ups and downs? You may not be 93, but you've had your share of life's ups and downs. Wave at me. Wave at me. And you've had some ups and some downs, but you have reached a point in your life where you say like Jeremiah, even if I say to myself, I'm not going to praise God, I'm not going to church, I'm not shouting, I'm not going to talk about God, I'm going to hush my mouth and just shut up and be quiet. Something gets a hold of you like Jeremiah said. It's like fire shut up in your bones when you said you weren't going to talk about God before you knew it your mouth was wide open and you were telling somebody about the goodness of the Lord on your job in your neighborhood out with your friends in the club at the party on the greens in the market in the street in the car for you knew it you were talking about God am I on somebody's street and the question is, why is it? I'll tell you why. Because the Holy Ghost has come in your life and the Holy Ghost has changed your conduct, your conversation, and your character. God, I feel like shouting on that myself. The Holy Ghost has changed your conduct, your character, and your conversation. Do I have anybody in here who knows you don't talk like you used to talk? You don't act like you used to act, great God Almighty. Grab somebody and tell them, I've been changed. When the Holy Ghost comes into your life, he comes in with a cleaning crew and takes out so much of the trash and the debris, so much so that all you can do is become the new you he's trying to create you into. And even if part of it doesn't look right now, just stay with him hang with him, live with him. He'll get you to where you need to be. It's like fire. Some of y'all wonder why you get up every Sunday morning and make your way to church. It's like fire. You wonder why it is when you're riding home, you get excited listening to some gospel music. It's like fire. You wonder why when you're out with your friends, you got to tell them, I got to go home now. It's like fire. It's like fire shut up in your bones. Have you ever had a shout all by yourself? A praise party with nobody around but you? A Holy Ghost fit just walking around the room going, thank you, thank you, thank you. I started wondering, Trish, I started wondering why, why they're back out in the temple and in the streets preaching the way they are. How did they get there? What happened? And I asked them, I asked God to let me ask them why they came back preaching and teaching so. And he said, remember what the angel told them, go back to the temple and tell people about this life. Y'all missed that. Go back to the temple. Wait a minute, do I need to read it to y'all again? Look at somebody and say, you might. Go stand in the temple courts and tell the people all about this new life. Odell, they didn't get it. See, up to now, they had only been, and the reason they had to go back, because they had so much more to say, because they had only told the people 
about who Jesus is. That he is the Kyrios Christos, he is Yeshua Hamashiach, he is the Lord's Christ, he is Jesus the Messiah, he, he is the imminent expression of the transcendent God, he is the fullness of the Godhead bodily, he is the one prophesied by the prophets, he is the one that Isaiah said would be the wonderful counselor, the mighty God, the everlasting father and the prince of peace. He is the one that was foretold to come, who would be the foreshadowing of all that God was going to do. He was the one who would usher in the day of the Lord. He is the one by whom everything that was made was made. He is the word of God. He is the imminent expression of the invisible God. In him is the fullness of the Godhead bodily. God, I wish I had somebody. He is sui generis. He is one of a kind. He is the second begotten of, the only, of God himself. He is the redeemer of mankind. He is the savior of our souls. He is the one who came, lived, died, and got back up saying, I got all power in his hand. I'm telling you who Jesus is. Ontologically, he is is the one who was before ears knew about where. He is the one who came from everlasting. He is the one who came up from under the throne of God. He is the one heaven sent down the nine-month train of gestation, dropped off in a womb in a girl named Mary, gave birth in a barn in Bethlehem, grew up in a ghetto called Nazareth, lived and walked in dusty sheets of Capernaum. That's who he is. He is the savior of mankind. He is the one who died my soul to save. By his stripes I am healed. He is the transcendent God. He is the one seated at the right hand of God the Father. And from there he shall come to judge the quick and the dead. That is who he is. He is the one who makes intercession on my behalf. He is the one who prayed the Father to send the Holy Spirit on my behalf. That is who he is. But I got so much more to tell you because I got to tell you what he does. The guys say, we coming back because we just had a chance to tell you who he is. We've got to tell you about the undeniable impact he has had on our lives. God, I wish I had somebody in here who says, I know who he is, but let me tell you what he's done. He has changed me. He has redeemed me. He has fixed me. He has established me. He has given me a raison d'etre for living. He has put a purpose in my life. God, I feel like shouting. He has given me a new way to see myself. I don't see myself flawed. I don't see myself as a failure, but I am a blood-washed, saved child of God. I've been adopted back into the family. Let me tell you what he did for me. He dried my tears, calmed my fears, forgave me of my sins, established my going, gave me a purpose for living. I need you to slap five with somebody and tell them I got a purpose. Oh, y'all ain't saying right. Tell them I got a purpose. I got a purpose. But you know what makes me shout? It's beyond the purpose. The purpose gives me joy. I've got joy. I like waking up every morning. I like who I am becoming. I like knowing he walks with me. I like feeling his power. I like saying, thank you, God. 
do I have a witness? Is there anybody here who can shout over your joy? Look at somebody, tell them I ain't got a whole lot of money, but I got some joy. I've got joy that keeps me alive. I stand and look at life and throw my hands up and say, but for the grace of God, I wouldn't be here right now. And this joy that I had, the world didn't give it to me. You know why I'm preaching? I want you to know how good he is. He'll dry your tears, put food on your table, fight your battles, make a straight way for you. Is there anybody here who has seen the Lord make a way out of nowhere? Is there anybody here who the Lord has forgiven for all of your mistakes? I need some folk who can shout over forgiveness. Oh, forgiveness. Thank you, God, for forgiving me. Thank you, God, for helping me get past it. That's what he does for me. But wait a minute, I'm almost done. I'm um, Look at somebody say, there's one more thing about this joy. One more thing. Let me tell you why. They had to tell it. Said, because listen, we used to be afraid of a whole lot of stuff. But when you get hooked up with Jesus and his spirit lives in you, your season of fear is over. I don't know who I'm talking to, but your season of fear is over. Stop worrying about what folk gonna say about you. Stop worrying about what folk gonna do to you. Just keep on pressing. Keep on serving. Keep on living. Keep on talking. Keep on working. Will the Lord make a way for you? Will the Lord dry your tear? Grab somebody and tell them, I declare your season of fear is over. Now, if you believe that, you ought to praise God like you're losing your mind. You ought to praise God. I'm not worried about losing my job. I'm not worried about losing my house. I'm not worried about losing him or her. For the same God that brought me this far will still take care of me. Will he take care of your church? Will he make a way for you? Oh, things are possible. Wait a minute. I'm about done. But I told you, there is so much more to say. Disciples, why y'all back out at it? Well, because at first, we only told you who he was. And because we only got partially through what he does. But there's something else we had to tell you. We had to tell you. We had to come back out here.
Because even though we preached about who he is and what he does, we forgot to tell you he's given you an invitation to get right right now. You ain't got to wait till next month. Can I find somebody in church who can shout that you heard that invitation? One day a preacher, somebody, was preaching about Jesus and they said the door of the church is open. Grab somebody and tell them I walk one Sunday and my life got changed. He came into my life, turned my life around. I may not be everything I ought to be, but hallelujah, I'm not what I used to be. I'm saved, sealed, sanctified, and I'm on my way. I got one thing to tell you. The Lord Jesus Christ invites you today to get right with God and do it now. Get right with God and he will show you how.